0: Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. For you that are here in the auditorium, if you'll grab your Bible. Turn, if you will, with me to the book of Acts, chapter 7. We'll begin there. Go all the way down to the end of the book of 7. We're going to we're gonna, we're gonna go from... Acts 7, right into Acts 8 there. Look at something very, very powerful. Everybody say powerful. Have you been enjoying our study of redemption? Nobody has? I know, I like teaching it, amen? Hallelujah. You know, it's amazing that God allows us to look into these things. It's amazing also how, you know, how revelation knowledge in the Word of God as it has grown over the years. Because really, true uh, revelation, as men begin to get, when I, when I say revelation, where the Holy Ghost begin to move in men and reveal to them the Word. Take the written Word and reveal the living Word, Jesus, to them. Did you know that when that began to happen, that, that the earth itself, that society itself, that we begin to progress into the modern society. You know, before there was revelation in the Word of God, we were in the dark ages. Did you know that? It wasn't until the Word of God started being taught and preached and proclaimed until God began to give revelation to men, until actually inventions begin to happen, and people begin to make discoveries, and all the technology that goes on today that benefits mankind has a divine origin. Did you know that? You say, well, so-and-so invented this, well, so-and-so invented that. Well, the knowledge of that came through God. God is the one that gives knowledge to men, and I want you to know there'll be a day when knowledge ceases, but this is not that day. It says over in the book of 1 Corinthians, there'll be a day when that ceases. But this is not that day. And this is not the day when the power of God has ceased. It's not the day in which the gifts of the Holy Ghost has ceased. It's not the day in which any of the miraculous has ceased. This is a day in which it keeps progressing. The Word of God is progressive revelation. Amen. And so we're just excited about living in an hour in which we see the Word of God just expanding. That's what it says in the book of Acts. So mightily grew the Word of God. And prevailed. So as the word grows, it prevails. Amen. Acts chapter 7. Now look at this. Right there in verse 39. This is a dark page in the history of the church. A wonderful young man, full of the Holy Ghost and power. It says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had thus said, he fell asleep. Amen. And now we know it says back up in verse, uh, excuse me, that's in verse 59, not 39. I don't know why the letters in this Bible get blurred as I read it. I don't know. But in verse 58, it says, speaking of of, of a certain individual, it says, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Now, I wanted to read the, the, the two verses first and then go back to the other verse to see you, so you would see an execution took place. This is an execution. They took a man outside the city and they stoned him to death. Now, that could not happen unless somebody allowed it. Uh, other than that, it'd be a cold blooded murder. But somebody allowed, somebody gave authority, somebody gave permission. For this wonderful deacon of the church to be stoned to death. And basically, he's not stoned for anything, it is what he said. Uh, the message that he preached uh, so convicted their spirits it made them mad. The Bible says they came on him and gnashed on him with their teeth. Well, I don't know what that means, but I don't like it. I don't want anybody gnashing on me with their teeth. Amen. Well, then they, you know, here they, here they take him and they draw him outside the city, and we still see the grace of God on him as he dies. As he's dying, he looks up to heaven and, and he sees Jesus receiving him. But he, he cries out, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. That's grace, forgiveness, even when they're executing him right there in the street. And so here's this guy Saul. Man, we don't want to get around this guy Saul. He's, he's a tough dude, isn't he? But now notice chapter 8 verse 1 starts this way. And Saul. So it picks his story back up. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church which at Jerusalem. And they were scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Listen to this in the Amplified. It says, but Saul shamefully treated and laid waste to the church continuously with cruelty and violence and entering in house after house, he dragged out men and women and committed them to prison. Man. Now this guy's a mess, isn't he? I would consider this guy an enemy of the church. Here he is, he's on a rampage. I mean, his rampage is so strong that that he approves of an execution. Yeah, just kill him. Stone him to death. We don't need these Christians. We don't want this church. This Jesus, he's a nobody. I mean, this is Saul of Tarsus. That's what he's doing. Now, with that in mind, I want you to go all the way to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians is, we know it's inspired by God. God gave it to us, but he gave it to us through a man named Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul. What's amazing about the Apostle Paul is that we just read about him. He's Saul of Tarsus. He's the one bringing havoc to the church. Let me say it like this. He's a man that once he got saved, once he got filled with the Holy Ghost, we knew that that was uh, miraculous on the road to Damascus as he had warrants, arrest warrants for Christians in Damascus. The Bible says, A light shined from heaven, brighter than the noonday sun, and knocked him off his donkey, cried out, Lord, Lord, who art thou? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Amen. Well, we know at that point he gave his heart to the Lord. He got filled with the Holy Ghost three days later when Ananias went in and laid hands on him. The scales fell off of his eyes. And then we know from that point on he prepared himself for ministry. Well, now we see him actually approximately some 27 years later writing this letter to the church at Corinth. Now listen to how he writes. Listen to what he says. He says in verse 2, Receive us. Well, the word us includes him so he could say it like this. Receive me. Receive me. Receive me. I have wronged no man, I have corrupted no man, I have defrauded no man. Now we know it says receive us, we have wronged no man, we have corrupted no man, we have defrauded no man, but he includes himself in that statement. Do you see that in the word? If you do, say amen. amen. So what is he saying? Receive me, I have wronged no man. Well, what if, what, if you were, what if you were a friend of Stephen's? What if you were one of the guys that got dragged out of your house with your wife screaming and your children crying? The Bible said he brought violence. That must have been their physical. People were beaten. People were beat up, dragged into the streets. Their possessions were confiscated. This guy guy Saul was running havoc, and then all of a sudden, some 27 years later, he makes a statement like, hey, I I ain't harmed nobody. Receive me, I've harmed no man, I've wronged no man, I've corrupted no man, I have defrauded no man. So you could say, now wait a minute, hold on. Now what has happened in the life of Saul of Tarsus that was so powerful that he could look back and be so disconnected from his past that he could say, I have no past. Amen. So now we've been studying. Last week we studied who we are in Christ. Therefore, if any man should be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now we're going to look at something today that's going to help us understand how that is accomplished. Because listen, this this message of redemption is why we have faith. Jesus is who we have faith in. Redemption is why we have it. Amen. And if you can see yourself in Christ, you can see yourself blessed. You can see yourself healed. You can see yourself prosperous. You can see yourself with a calling, with a destiny. You can see yourself as God sees you. But if you don't see yourself in Christ, you will always see yourself less than what you really are. So here's this guy, Paul. Saul of Tarsus was his Jewish name. He took his Roman name, Paul, when he began to evangelize and preach. But he began to give us revelation. Everybody say revelation. Now, two things let's mention real quick before we dig into this this morning. The three words. Does anybody remember the three words that are very important for us to recognize and realize as we study redemption? The word substitution, the word identification, and the word union. Adam was our substitute. We identify with him because we're born into the human family. And because of that, we're put in union with him. All that was wrong with Adam's fall, everything that came in through the fall, that's what's wrong with the human family. First birth puts you in the human family. New birth puts you in God's family. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. But now Paul, as he taught, and if you'll study his letters, he mentions one thing literally more than any other subject. Something that had an effect on his life, that if you will allow it, it will have an effect on your life. And I don't preach this because I read this in some book, somebody's book because I was one that had a past. I was one that thought I had disqualified myself. I was one that thought there's no way I could do what God's called me to do because I rejected God, because I balled my fists up at God, said, God, I'm not going to preach the gospel because I was mad at God, didn't want anything to do with God. And God said, that doesn't matter to me. I still love you. I still care about you. And one day you'll change the way you think by the word of God. And I found the same secret Paul found, which is the secret we're going to teach you this morning that will help you so disconnect yourself from your past that you'll have no past at all. Go to Galatians. We were there taking the offering. Go to Galatians chapter 2. We were in chapter 3. Go to chapter 2. Chapter 2... Of the book of Galatians. Paul makes a statement here. That was probably very difficult. For people to hear. Especially. If you were present. The day Jesus was crucified. If you were there on Golgotha's hill. There at Calvary. When they strung up our Lord and Savior. And put nails in his hands and his feet. Put a crown of thorns upon his head. Striped his back. If you were there that day. You knew. That upon that day. Hill were three crosses. Everybody say three. There was Jesus in the middle. There was a thief on this side. There was a thief on that side. There's no other record of any other crucifixion. But we also know that the Gospels of the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, paid a beautiful portrait of the life of Jesus, of His birth, of His ministry, Of his death, his burial, his resurrection. But now remember what we said about Paul. We said this when we started digging into the letters. The letters to the church are not a portrait. They're an x-ray. We see behind the scenes. We see the reality of what God's done. And we see how it is applied to our lives. Now listen to this statement. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Listen to Paul. Paul's writing to us here at the church in Galveston. I am crucified with Christ. Say what? What do you think Peter said to that first time he heard that? What do you think John said to that first time he heard that? What do you think Matthew said to that first time he heard that? What do you think some of the other said first time? Did you hear what Paul said? Did you hear what he said? He said, I was crucified. Well, I was there that day. I didn't see him hanging on a tree. So there must be some other significance to this statement other than Paul being physically present upon a cross as Jesus was crucified. Notice what he says. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. A phenomenal statement in the light of the Gospels. In the Gospels, we see three. Are you ready? In the letters, we see everybody. Oh, you missed a good opportunity to shout, jump and run. You say, what do you mean? In the Gospels, we see three In the letters, we see everybody. You say, now how can that be? Remember what we said. The gospel's a portrait, the letters, an x-ray. Now, can you imagine the hindrance it must have been to Paul He started out as Saul of Tarsus. He stayed there in Damascus for a few days. Uh, There was a a plot to kill him. He was let down over the wall. He went to Jerusalem and he he, he talked with some of the disciples for a little while. And then off he went, uh, ended up in Antioch. We know he ended up in the Arabian Desert for many years before actually his public ministry started there in Acts chapter 13. Now, could you imagine a man like, like Saul of Tarsus preparing for ministry? In prayer, praying, thanking God that he's saved, thanking God that he's no longer the enemy of the church. But I guarantee you, the event that took place that day outside of Jerusalem when Stephen was stoned haunted Paul. I guarantee you, the the, the cries of the children as he drugged their parents out, the cries of the wives, the cries of the... It haunted his mind... As he began to prepare and to recognize, now wait a second, God. I know you want me to go. I know you want me to preach. I know I'm supposed to be an apostle to the Gentiles. But I got this ball and chain on my leg called my past. Because although I may be Paul the apostle today, I used to be Saul of Tarsus. And what I used to be has become a great hindrance to my mind and to what you're designed to do with me. And I guarantee you, being at the church of Jerusalem, being at other places, there were still the innuendos. There were still the insinuations. There was still the talk about who he, quote, used to be. And I can see him out in the Arabian desert fasting, praying, however it happened, whether it was a vision, whether God just put it in his spirit. But I can see God saying to him, I've got your answer. And Paul's saying, okay, I need it because I cannot do this unless I'm separated from whom I I used to be. If I can't get broke loose from Saul of Tarshish, Paul can never be the apostle he's called to be. So I can see God showing him the cross. He says, what do you see, Paul? And he looks, and there he is, Jesus, on the cross, suffering, dying, accumulating all. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, by his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He looks, he sees Jesus, and he thanks God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You died for me. And God would say, look a little closer. He looks a little closer. He says, that's Jesus. It's Jesus. And God would say, look a little closer. And he'd say, "It's it's Jesus. God would say, look a little closer, Paul. And he would look, and although he saw Jesus, then he saw in Jesus. In Christ, he saw the portrait till the portrait became the x-ray. And when the x-ray was flashed, because what do you need to look at an x-ray? Anybody know? Anybody know what you need to look look at an x-ray with? Light. When the light comes on, he sees the x-ray, and instead of just seeing Jesus, who does he see? Saul. Now come on, church. You're going to have to stay with me if you're going to get this today. So Saul... Found a place to die. Remember what we said last week? God's not in the restoration business. He's not like fixing up an old car. We go take an old 1957 Chevy and we find it in the junkyard and we get Brother George over here and he tells us how to restore it and we put a new motor in it and we paint it up the way it used to look, get new seats, we put a new engine, put new tires, and now it's restored, but it used to be. But it used to be. Listen, God didn't want to restore you. He wanted to kill you. But if he killed you and annihilated you, he'd have no family. So he provided. Oh, Lord Jesus. He provided a death so complete that if you will enter into it by faith, and how do you enter into anything by faith? You believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, you enter into it by faith, it is a death that's so complete, it can so separate you from who you used to be that who you used to be will never affect who you're going to be and who you are. Now let's take a little, little rabbit trail just for a minute. Bible says, if the princes of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, for the preaching of the cross is unto them that perishness foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. So you've got to understand. Now, remember what we said, you think, the word you think, when I say the word death, you think, when I say the word death, you think, separation. Spiritual death, separation from God. Physical death, physical body, physical uh, body being separated from human spirit. Eternal death, eternal separation from God. So, we know we're all identified in Adam. First black man, first white man, first Asian man. Name it, first man, fountainhead of humanity. We're all identified in him. But also, here comes the last Adam, Jesus. And because God took on human form and human flesh, we're all identified in him. Are you with me? So on the cross, somebody say the cross. On the cross. See, we don't teach this enough. We need to teach this so people will understand it and enjoy the benefit of it. On the cross. On the cross, he does what? He assumes. He, he brings all. He assumes all. Assumes Is that even a word? He assumes. I just made it. We'll put it in the dictionary next week. He assumes all that's wrong with who? Adam's family, the human race. Again, Isaiah 53, wounded for R, bruised for R, the chastisement of R. He takes, now you got to see him. He's on the cross. We read it when we saw on on Easter Sunday. His vestige was so marred, you couldn't tell he was a human. He's suffering. He's got all the sickness, all the disease, all of the sin, ever trespass, addiction, anxiety, you name it. It's on him. It's on him. It's on him. It's yours. It's yours. It's on him. It's yours. It's on him. him, Your past, your sin, it's on him. Then he does what? Then he does what? He dies. What is death? Death. He took it to the cross and died. Uh, Come on, I'm going to stay with the word. I'm going to stay with the word. Go to Romans. Go to Romans 6 real quick. Go to Romans 6. Notice this. I'll tell you, if this don't thrill you, get saved. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. Everybody say no. God forbid. How shall we that are dead sin Live any longer therein. Know you not that so many many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His? Oh, you mean we weren't baptized into His resurrection? No, because before resurrection power can affect you, the work of the cross must separate you. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. So that he might translate us into the kingdom of his dear son. He used death to deliver us. He used resurrection to translate us. Oh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into his death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now see, you could have gotten an argument there with Paul. Now wait a second. I didn't see you or your old man. I didn't see you, I didn't see your old man. We're not looking at a portrait. We're looking at an x-ray. And Paul says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now notice this. For he that is dead is freed. Now, now let, let, let's use uh, uh, an illustration here. In the natural, let's step back into physical death. You've died. So we got your body up here in a casket. You're dead, and there is an element of freedom in physical death. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, you've got all kind of problems before you died. Alcohol problem, drug problem, hate problem. Money problems. Got all these problems. So now you're dead. So we bring to you a fifth of Jack Daniels because you got alcohol problems. How about a drink? What do you? How do you respond? You know how you respond. You know how you would respond like this. Say, so, well, you know we've got a we've got a line of pure cocaine here for you to snort. Here you go. Have a big snort. How about this? Did you know your mortgage is due? Do you know your light bill is due? Do you know what so and so said about you? After most people get raised from the dead, right there. As soon as they found out so and so said something, they sit up and say, ah. Some of your problems is this you're born again you got the life of God in you, but you've not entered into the death of the cross, and you've gone around trying to keep this old man alive. You're pouring alcohol in him. You're sticking coke up his nose. You're setting him in front of Panaga. You're doing everything you can do to try to get some life out of it, but you're miserable. So why don't you go ahead and let the work of the cross work for you by entering into what? The death of Christ. How do you do that? Thank you, Father, as you pray every day. Thank you, Father. I'm crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yeah, not am I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I was buried with him by baptism. And now I rise and walk in newness of life. I am dead to sin. I'm dead to alcoholism. I'm dead to drug addiction. I'm dead to pornography. I'm dead to hate. I'm dead to poverty. I'm dead to sickness. I'm dead to disease. Because death is what separation. The death of Jesus has separated me. Now, hang on, hang on. See if you don't apply it, it doesn't work. You're just a miserable saved person. I'm just, I tell you, I'm, I'm so miserable, and I've been trying. I've been telling. I've been trying to stay free, and I've been trying to be free, and and but I, you know, I still got no, 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 no. There's power in the cross. I said there's power in the cross. He preaches, Paul preaches more about the cross and more about death than he ever preaches about resurrection. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Freed from sin. You're just not dead enough yet. (laughs) For if we be dead with Christ, we believe also that we shall live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For he that died, died unto sin once, but he that liveth, liveth unto God. Likewise, now notice this. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The devil's biggest lie is try to... Is to try to convince you there's still life in the old man. There's life in the old man. He needs a beer. He needs a beer. He needs a joint. He needs a playboy. He needs to be mad at his neighbor. He needs to worry about the mortgage. He needs to worry about. There's life. that's That's the devil's biggest lie. Is to convince you there's still life in the old man. When Jesus said, no, 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 my cross is so complete and the power of the cross is so powerful that if you will enter into it, how? By faith, believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth, stand on the word of God. He says it will separate you from all your anxiety, from all your fear, from all your pain, from everything that happened to you because of your first birth. See, what are people worried about? They're worried about what they might or might not inherit. We always tell me, you, you've got your father's eyes. You've got your mother's walk. You've got this. Well, you know, we say, well, you know, in my family, cancer runs them. Everybody gets cancer. In my family, everybody gets a divorce. In my family, everybody goes through. But You're not in that family anymore. You were in the human family. Now you're in God's family. What do we say when we study covenant? Blood is thicker than water. The blood of the covenant cut in Christ Jesus is stronger than the water that birthed you. The hold the human family had on you was broken. Not with an agreement. We just agree it's broken. No, not with an agreement. It was broken through death. Go to Colossians real quick and we'll close. How's my time? Oh, where does my time go? at Colossians. There's so many scriptures. We could do do this all afternoon but chapter 3 verse 1 of the book of Colossians it says that if you then be risen with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above not on things of the earth. Now notice this you want to find out who you are? This is who you are. I'm fixing to read you a little bit of the identification of who you are. Are you ready? Verse three. For you are dead. So did you go to church this morning? Yeah, I went to church. What'd you find out? Found out I was dead. Some of you need some of you need a little death working in you. Some of you need the death of the cross. The ability of God to separate you from all the garbage that is coming to your life because of your first birth. God wants you to have everything that pertains to life and godliness. That through the precious promises of God, you and your new birth are partakers of what? The divine nature. The divine nature is not broken, and poor and addicted and afflicted. The divine nature is living gloriously and supernaturally here in a natural place. Amen. For you're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God listen to it in the Amplified for as far as this world is concerned you have died and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God now if we had time we'd go teach on being hidden in Christ in God you say why? because the devil can't find you if you're hidden we'll get into that later a lot of people there are out in the open see the reason they're out in the open is the devil hadn't attended their funeral yet. See, so you needed the devil to attend your funeral. You say, "How does he do that?" Every day when you get up and you pray and you confess the Word of God, you talk about how I am dead. I am dead to addictions. I'm dead to sickness and disease. I'm dead to poverty, poverty and lack. I'm dead to prejudice and hate. I'm dead to what's ever going on in this world and this world system. But I am alive unto God. Amen. He has taken and separated me from all of that through his death. And he has imparted to me the life of God. I'm a supernatural person living in a natural world. I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. And when somebody comes up to you and says, weren't well, you that person that four years ago we were drinking you down at the, the, the hard times and misery you Say, no, that person's dead. And they say, well, I didn't see the obituary. You say, let me show you the obituary. Here it is right here. I was crucified with him. Come on, church. I didn't get, listen, in my life, when I came back to the Lord, I had spent almost 13 years away from God, addicted, afflicted, mad at God, nothing to do with preaching, nothing, I don't want it, get away, stay away from me. And when I came back to God, I had this big ball and chain, I had this big monkey on my back. And I'm like, how in the world am I going to serve God? I can't do this. I've got a past. I am an ex. See, that's what the world will do to you. They'll put an X on you. I'm an ex-alcoholic. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Recovering alcoholic. I'm a cancer survivor. You're not a cancer survivor. You're a cancer overcomer. You're not a recovering alcoholic. You're freed by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got to reckon yourself free from that junk. By what? Application of the Word of God in your life. I'm dead to that. I'm dead to you. You foul alcohol. I'm dead to you. I'm dead to cocaine. I'm dead to weed. I'm dead to pornography. I'm dead to that. And the devil will say, oh, you think you're dead? Let me just stimulate your flesh a little bit. And you go right back to the cross. No, no, devil. I was crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yeah, but not I, but Christ lives in me. Yes, amen. And you make application of your faith to the problem. Listen, I ain't got the right to talk like this unless I was addicted. Amen. Honey, I had addictions you couldn't dream of. I never talk about them because they're not relevant. But I tell you, I had addictions you couldn't dream of. They were horrible at a young age. At a young, I'll just tell you one of them. One of them. At age 16, I learned how to give a, give a rabbit a shot in the ear. That's where you give a rabbit a shot. I learned how to give a rabbit a shot. And when I learned how to give a rabbit a shot, I learned how to give myself a shot. And I didn't go to the street for drugs. That would give you a little bit of idea of what I was involved in. You say, what do you mean? I was so addicted, they found me in that addiction almost dead. I had, had pneumonia, double pneumonia in my lungs. I was so addicted, I couldn't even see straight. I couldn't even function. You say, well, what did you do? Well, I plowed along like that for years. One addiction, traded that addiction for another one. Traded that addiction for another one. Traded that addiction for another one. All of them chemical. All of them chemical. All of them having to do with drugs. Till one day, I said, if I keep doing this, I'm going to be dead. And that's when watching Billy Graham on TV, he preached life. And when he preached life, the light came on. And when the light came on, I did not see myself as a drug addict. I did not see myself addicted. I did not see myself recovering. I did not see myself as an ex. I saw myself delivered. And I got up off of my knee from in front of that and was totally and completely delivered of every addiction and never went back to it. Amen. You say, how can that happen? I've got to go through a program. I've got a better one for you right here. I had a guy come up to me one time. He was mad at me because I made a statement about alcoholics anonymous. Now, I was preaching this in Ireland. You don't know nothing about being drunk. From 1983 to 2001, I went to Ireland 38 times. I can tell you about being drunk. Them guys know how to get drunk stay drunk. So I was preaching. Well, he'd been, he'd been in Alcoholics Anonymous for 19 years. He was still an alcoholic. Still, so I made a little statement about alcoholics. So he come, how dare you talk about Alcoholics Anonymous. I shook my head and turned around and walked off. The next service, he was in the line to get saved. The next service, he was in the line to get filled with the Holy Ghost. The next service, he come walking up to me with clear eyes, clear face, talking clearly and says... Now I know what you mean. You don't need a program, you need some power. Because that stuff has some power to it. You don't need a program, you need the power of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that separates you from every sickness, every disease, every affliction, every bad mindset, everything that's wrong with you because of your first birth. When you get born again, then you grow into what he's provided for us in Christ and the cross and the death of Jesus set you free he that is dead is free say don't you worry about the bills not one not my bills all the bills belong to him all the money belongs to him might as well give him all the bills 30 years of ministry we paid everyone and stayed ahead amen you say why not my bills not my money Not my church. So it's not your church? No, it belongs to Jesus. He said, upon uh, who I am, in you, I will build the church. And the gates and the councils and the strategies of hell itself shall not prevail. Don't sweat it. You say, why? Because if there's that much power in death and in the cross, wait till we get over on the resurrection side and see what we now have as a positional blessing in the resurrection you love the Lord? Do you love Him? Look what He's done for us. Lift your hands and give Him thanks tonight. Lift your hands and give Him thanks tonight. Father, we bless Your name today. Lord, how can we ever thank You so much for taking these wonderful revelations, revealing it unto us so that we might walk worthy of You, Lord, and be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. We thank You for it so much, Father. We thank You. Just as the song... The praise team sign. We're redeemed by the blood, the power of the devil, broken by the cross. We thank you for it so much, Father. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, eye bow. thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 10.45. Tuesday prayer, 7.30. Thursday evening, midweek service, 7.30. We are located 2411, 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.